This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, I'm stand-up comedian Kiri Pritchard-McLean here to tell you that I'm on tour with my brand new show, Home Truths. I'm going all over the country, wherever will have me. I'm touring right through the spring and then because some of you lovely lot have bought so many tickets, I'm now getting to tour for the whole of autumn as well. If you would like to get tickets, they're all available on my website or you can go to littlewonder.co.uk and get tickets there. I can't wait to see you and I don't want to brag, but I've got one hell of an outfit. Welcome to the Who You Wearing podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Bridget McLean, and each episode I chat to a style icon about their journey with clothes and fashion. This week's guest is activist and author Deshaun Harris, who is so thoughtful and smart when it comes to everything, but on this podcast, we get their wisdom when it comes to fashion. Oh, it's such a good episode. Um, it was recorded in January 2022. Um, Deshaun was at home in America, so international. And I was in my wee cupboard in Wales, <laughs> adding an international flair myself. I think this is a really fascinating episode because I feel Deshaun has done the reverse of lots of us in that they really found themselves and their style in lockdown. When I think so many of us, maybe just me, lost their way after being locked in their house. I think it's just a really interesting journey. And just a heads up, we do talk about weight loss in this episode. Um, We also talk about the intellectual theft um, that is rife in fashion when it comes to black and queer creatives. I think it's a really interesting and important chat. There's plenty of joy in this conversation as well. And I honestly think that I could listen to Deshaun talk about anything for hours and um, I'm excited for you to listen to it. Please have a lovely time listening to me asking Deshaun Harrison, who are you wearing? I grew up as a fat kid and so uh, I remember always being so excited about being able to find clothes that I could wear that I thought were stylish but I also grew up poor right so I was like you know I'm this fat kid who doesn't have a lot of money and so I had to sort of make things work and I would be jealous often of my thin counterparts because they would have like these nice clothes and um, would look like to me like they were putting they put their clothes together very well and I was like really jealous of them and I remember this one moment in middle school I believe I was in the sixth grade and um, I remember thinking like I had on like I think some denim jeans and some old Nike Air Maxes and like a sweatshirt. And I remember thinking like, wow, everyone around me just looks so nice. And I feel like I just have thrown something random on. 
And I think the first time I started feeling nice in my, like, in what I wore was when, at the time, I was Christian and in church. That no longer is true. But at the time, I was, like, very heavily involved in my church. And so I would wear dress clothes a lot. Mm. And I remember every time I would put on, like, a suit and a tie, I felt like a brand new person. And I just loved, like, not necessarily what it felt like to put the outfit on, but the response that I got from people making me feel like, you know, I, I looked good. Um, and that was like mm-hmm. a first for me. So I would oftentimes start wearing more dressier clothes to feel like I was getting the affirmation and validation that I wanted. But I don't think it was really honestly until 2020 when I started to explore more with my clothes because I was stuck inside the house so I could buy clothes and, and, and play around with things as I wanted to, where I really started to like find my style, things that made me feel good in my body, that made me feel good with what I was wearing and that I was excited about putting on. And so now it's like, you can't get me to shut up. I just, <laughs> I put on clothes every day almost just because I can. You know, when you're sort of, um, I guess, I guess, are so you putting on these formal clothes because you're receiving praise then and, and it validates your sense of self. So did you have separate to that a sense of what your style was or was your style... Was it that formal style or were you going, oh, hold on, if I dress formally and and sort of turn out, I'm getting the attention and validation I need. But it wasn't necessarily your like, oh, that's what I want to look like anyway. It was just a way of getting that validation. Yes. So I never really felt at home in clothing that necessarily assigned to men. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm a non-binary trans person. And that's always been true for me, even when I couldn't name it. So when I was like wearing those clothes, it was like, "Mm, you know, like this isn't necessarily my style per se, but it felt good for people to validate me in a very particular way. So it became sort of my style for a while until I learned like, oh, okay, well, this is not actually what my style is or what I want it to be, but it's what I went with because of how I felt. And so now I can sort of gravitate towards something else and, and, and wear things that feel more affirming for me Mm. um but yeah for a long time it was what I it was what I put on because it felt comfortable it felt like that was what I was supposed to wear to get validated in my body wow that's a lot that's so much to be like your existence in your upbringing I just can't even imagine how you navigate the intersectionality of living in a fat body a black body and a trans body like all those things happening right and then in a world that rejects all those trying to build a sense of self that that must be a um a huge thing as a young person right Mm. to try and build yourself in a brand new image because who who do you aspire to who exactly which is why i think there's no one who i can really point to right now and say yes i want to look like them when i dress like them and so yeah i was growing up and was trying to find my own identity for myself and trying to build a look that felt affirming for me and I was starting from ground zero and that's not true for a lot of people so I sort of went with or got into what I found would lead me to affirmations and validation from Mm -hmm. other people and that lasted up until I was a sophomore in college and then I stopped wearing the suits and stopped putting on a lot of formal wear and actually I haven't really dressed up since then in so many ways and I had to find what felt good for me what actually worked for me and I think I found it <laughs> I'd agree I'd agree but I I want to ask I'm so sorry you're just so interesting I um I just want to ask a million questions um being a young person growing up with these you with all this stuff going on is it liberating that there's no that there's no mold or is it actually isolating 
I think it's a little bit of both, right? It's like, it's comforting because I get to create my own blueprint in so many ways. And that to me feels great. It's like, you know, you can't really say like, oh, they're looking like someone else or they're trying to be someone else. There is no one else for me to try to be like. And so I get to create my own blueprint and build my own style in a way that works for me without having to be, without having to have my judgment clouded by other people's thoughts and other comparisons. But in that same way, it's like sometimes if I'm looking to try to build a particular outfit and I'm like on Google, like, hey, I'm going to type this in to see if I can find something that that may be in my closet that could work um, for the, the look that I'm trying to put together. And all you see are thin white people or <laughs> or like thin black women. It's like, okay, well, I don't know what to do with this because I know that what they're wearing will not look the same on my body. Um, mm. So I think it's a little bit of both. I love the idea of being able to build and create my own sort of foundation and doing so in a way that just feels comforting and, and comfortable. Um, and also, I think it would be cool if there was not so much to have to do, not so much heavy lifting that had to be done by me as an individual. And of course, I think the exciting thing now that with your visibility, and your platform, you're going to be that to young people, right? I hope so. I mean, that, that would be nice, right? Like, I don't know if that's true or not, but I think that it would be cool, right? Like, I do a lot of work around a lot of theory writing, right? I do a lot of heavy work. And so to be able to be an inspiration for other folks in terms of fashion, things that are not as heavy, but that do play a huge role in making us feel cared for and seen and affirmed is is a very exciting thought for me so if so I will take it (laughs) um you're an icon I've said it (laughs) it's out there now (laughs) um as you're growing up then who is dressing you are you trying to piece it together from the bits that you have or maybe you've got older siblings and you're putting it together or is it like a parent a guardian as I was growing up my mom dressed me a lot as as we were kids I'm a twin and so my twin brother and I we dressed in the same clothes for years my mom was like one of those parents to twins who made us dress in the same clothes and we would like it was from head to toe, the same thing. And so that was like really cool growing up. And now I look like look back at old pictures like, oh my God, what were we doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> but then after I like got a little bit older, I want to say maybe into the latter half of elementary school, definitely middle school, I was dressing myself. Mm. But I was dressing myself with a lot of hand-me-downs. So I would either get clothes from my older brother who I was in middle school, I'm pretty sure he was later in high school, I think, or maybe even off to college. So I would get like some of his old clothes or I would wear some of my stepdad's really old clothes or clothes given to me by my my mom's friends or whomever. Like it was a lot of hand-me-downs that were given to me, a lot of goodwill shopping, a lot of thrift shopping that happened because again, I grew up poor. And so there was not a lot of going to the store to buy new clothes for me. Mm. Um, And I would have to make those clothes work for years. I remember even up until college, right? Like I had one pair of Nike Air Maxes And I got those Air Maxes brand new when I was in like ninth or 10th grade high school. And I never got rid of those shoes until after college, I think. Wow. (laughs) I had those shoes for a long time because I I just couldn't buy new shoes, couldn't buy new clothes a lot. And then I stopped even considering that I could buy new things. So I, I just didn't go buy new shoes. Then when I started being able to buy new clothes, I was like, wow. I want to buy new clothes, but also I can't buy clothes because they don't make clothes for people my size. So so now I'm struggling to be able to get clothes that fit, even though I can now maybe afford to get a new pair of jeans. Um, and then I discovered ASOS and that changed my whole <laughs> life. Um, yeah. And now it sucks because <laughs> ASOS is always out of stock on everything now. So that's a bummer. But 
that really did change my life. And after college, I found ASOS really in 2019, 2020, um, when I was like able to finally buy new clothes. Yeah. So I, I did a lot of dressing of myself growing up, but it came from hand-me-downs from a lot of people and a lot of clothes sharing. And to make a pair of trainers last that long, you must have had such an appreciation and be really taking care of the stuff that you have. Yes. And is that something that now you have more freedom, whether it's financially or access or, or both? Is that something that is that like a hangover? You keep your stuff in like good nick? My mom always raised us to take very good care of our clothes particularly because of the fact that, you know, they were given to us. So we had to be smart about how we care for our clothes. I think the clothes that I have now are going to be clothes that will last me for a long time and that I I probably won't want to get rid of for a long time because I also have this sense of like, I have to hold on to this because, you know, I don't want to lose it. Um, It's it's mine now type of thing, (laughs) you know, the, the, the sort of possessiveness that comes with being able to get things for yourself. Um, yeah. It's okay. I'm working through it with my therapist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that should be the subtitle of this podcast. But <laughs> no, <seriously. laughs> well, also, the, you know, there's there's an argument to be said that the way that you interact with your clothing is actually far more sustainable, and what we should all be, you know, all be looking to do to take care of what we have and have less. Yes, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, there's a lot of critiques around fast fashion and you know like the unsustainability of it in so many ways is harmful for our environment i think that's true and also you know fast fashion is the only place right now where a lot of fat folks can get our clothes but to be able to acquire those clothes and then have the skill and the discipline to hold on to them and take care of them for as long as you can really does help to create i think a much more sustainable model so yeah i agree wholeheartedly now you mentioned being a a twin and being dressed the same (laughs) um were you ever made to wear anything growing up that you absolutely hated nothing i can think of like i look at my old pictures and i'm like i mean we were kind of stylish but um (laughs) (laughs) like when i look at pictures from middle school when I was dressing myself when I was like what were you thinking like (laughs) where were you going why did you have this on like I used to own several different pairs of of dicky shorts and they were all different colors so I would be walking around with like fully orange shorts on like bright orange or like these blue shorts on or like these green I'm like why were you ever wearing this what even is this (laughs) I remember there was a time period, like, for a while, and I don't know if it was outside of the U.S. or not, but there were these hoodies that were made that built in, like, headphones, and I used to wear that a lot all the time. <laughs> we had them. Did y'all, okay, so I'm like, I don't know why I wore any of these things, but, like, I just look back at some of my old pictures from middle school, and I'm like, where were you going and why? Like, <laughs> why did you wear it? <laughs> uh, well, did you ever have a, a nightmare of clothing then or an outfit that you just never wanted to take off that you felt like, okay, this is this is me? I don't think that I did, not growing up. I think about it, I'm like, that's really sad. But no, I think that I never really like felt, at least for what I can remember, I never really felt at home in my clothes. I think there was this one shirt that I loved. And this shirt, it was like this checkered plaid shirt. It was like blue, gray, black, and white. And it's not even that I just loved the shirt that much it was that it was one of the only shirts that I felt fit me so well and I was in high school at the time of this I think I was in my senior year I remember pictures that I took in my um honest English course but I used to love this shirt and then I found like a pair of pants these athletic pants 
and those are like the first pair of pants that I remember having as I got fatter where they really fit me. I was where like, I was like, oh wow, these pants actually fit. I don't feel like I'm dying in here trying to breathe because mm. I can't, I can't button them. And I love those, but I never had like a particular outfit. But now, whenever I put an outfit on, I never want to get out of it. So <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. When you were a teenager, I think you're a little bit younger than me. What were the big trends when you were growing up? And were you able to indulge in them? Or was it just at the point that like existing in, in a fat body, they were n- not making any room for you to follow the trends anyway? I think when I was a teenager, I'm trying to remember like all of the trends, but like the Heelys trend. Yeah. And I think that there was a moment in time when, oh my God, I remember the skinny jeans when they first came out and I was like obsessed because I was growing up as this, as this black kid in the South where everyone was like doing this whole new wave, this this jerk era, this like dance era, this dance crew era type thing that was happening. And I remember wanting so bad to be able to fit into some skinny jeans and I could not fit into them. And I was like, my life is over. This sucks. I, don't want, I want to be a part of the wave and I can't be... <laughs> um, I remember that like so clearly and now they make skinny jeans for me to fit. And so now I'm like a couple pairs of skinny jeans that I own and I'm like, you know, the hype was, was not worth it. But in the time, <laughs> at the time, it was like something that I really desperately wanted to be a part of and I couldn't be. And yeah, I think that there were like just so many trends that happened growing up. But I think the skinny jeans part for me is just sticking out at the front of my head right now. I was like obsessed mm. because my favorite rapper was Lil Wayne at the time. And, you know, you had in this era, you have like, you know, your B.O.B.s and the jerk boys and just so many of like this hip hop culture that's influencing fashion mm. um, that I just could not be a part of. And I was just so upset. I hated it. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, so difficult, especially as a teenager. I think people experiment loads with their style, I think, as a teenager because it's when you're working out who you are. Mm -hmm. And I think most people who don't exist in a fat body, they don't realise it clips the wings of you expressing who you are. It's like everyone else has 20 colours to paint with and you're given three and you're meant to paint this masterpiece with them. Absolutely. And for me at the time, it was I was also growing up in a very Christian household and skinny jeans at the time. Like, it's just so interesting the ways that like culture is is so influenced by Christianity and, and vice versa. But I remember like everyone was like, no, you know, boys don't wear pants like that. Boys, you know, men don't don't wear clothes like that. You know, that's gay or that's for women, that sort of idea. And so even if I could fit skinny jeans, I probably wouldn't be able to wear them because I didn't grow up in a home where that was allowed. Mm-hmm. And now it's part of everyday culture where it's like, oh, well, you know, we don't turn, we don't bat our eyes at it. Going from the 90s where everything was super baggy and then to the 2000s where everything was super baggy, like super mm-hmm. baggy, <laughs> like you sort of go from these tall tees and way oversized jeans to skinny jeans and shirts that barely fit. And it's like, what's happening? This is a change. This is very different. So, yeah, I think that like reflecting on what my childhood was like in the 90s and in the 2000s and then that sort of shift into my teenage years in the two, in the 2010s and, and whatnot is like just a very interesting difference. And now where we are in this 2020s period, um, clothes continue to change. But I love this question because it's really causing me to reflect on, one, how style has changed, but also how quickly 
style has changed. And I'm wondering now, like, has style changed in the last two years? Like, I don't know. Things have just moved so quickly. It is so interesting. And you know what? I actually think that because the last two years, the world's been on a pause, I think fashion kind of has as well. I think so. And fashion hasn't found its way again because fashion is led by by usually I would say queer people because they mm-hmm. on the fringes they're more creative they're yep. you know fashion steals from those on the outside and then monetizes it and sells it to the masses so absolutely while those people are locked in their houses um and not being as, as visible where do these people steal from <laughs> that's what I think it's very much influenced by black folks that we would say are you know in the hood type thing right or queer folks who are in the ballroom scene or who are in you know like the underground scene mm-hmm. So essentially what I'm saying is so many Black creators have made such great, like, brilliant pieces of, of, of work and have showcased it online through TikTok, through Twitter. And, you know, like I remember just recently seeing Cardi B, for example, hiring this one Black creator. I wish I remember her, her name, but I don't at the moment, who has like transformed old sneakers into like um, a corset. And have been like showcasing that on TikTok and on and on Twitter for like the past year or so. And Cardi B hired her to like make an outfit for her. Mm. And it's just like, you know, that sort of thing that's happening. And for that to be on someone like Cardi B, who really is right now, like such a huge trendsetter who is doing such amazing fashion mm. risks, who the fashion industry has their eyes glued on. It's like, this is the type of thing that happens when you find innovative ways to show up, showcase your work and, and who you are to continue to influence culture. So yeah, I think that fashion is on a pause more largely, but I think that those folks who have their ears to the ground, you know, like Cardi B, who's really watching smaller businesses and like Black business owners and Black creators, Mm. I think they are going to continue to push the field forward. Yeah, that was my only thing. I was like, oh, it's so exciting. But I know the flip side of having any raised visibility for small businesses is, oh, is Shein going to come and steal my you know, just knock off my designs. And exactly. They're so powerless against huge organizations like that. It's, yeah. it's really tough. And black creators especially seem to be, you know, just pillaged basically yes. by people who can afford to waste their time with lawsuits or just ignore them. Exactly. It's very unfortunate. It really is. But it's so nice that you have artists like Cardi B who are cutting out the middleman and reaching straight to the creatives. Exactly. It's beautiful to witness because, you know, it's very uncommon. It doesn't happen very often. And I think about like, you know, something that Beyonce did last year where she put up like a sort of directory of small black businesses where she was purchasing things from and and where and that she wanted folks to support. That sort of thing is huge for an artist to do, especially one of Beyonce's caliber. I mean, it's Beyonce. Mm. Um, And so like just, you know, seeing that sort of thing happening in the midst of the pandemic is to me a little bit encouraging because it feels like, okay, maybe there is a shift, a small one, but maybe, but maybe still a shift in people trying to credit folks who are, who are creating things for themselves instead of, you know, like you said, going through a middleman to do it. Did you have, because it's interesting, you talk about the church in the past tense, like that's not part of your world necessarily. Right. So I wondered if you had um, like a rebellious phase and if so, <laughs> did it ever show up in your style? I think that I am in my rebellious stage. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> yes. I never really had a rebellious stage per se. I was very outspoken as a kid, like as a, a younger child. I was super quiet, but I also didn't allow for anyone to outright disrespect me. That was not something that would ever fly for me. That went for students and teachers and principals alike. 
and whoever, whomever else, because I always understood myself as a full being who deserved mm-hmm. the same level of respect that authority figures deserved. So that was like a thing for me. Is I don't necessarily see that as like a rebellious stage because that's always been who I am. But in terms of separating myself from the church, yes, I stopped even being part of, of the church, stopped being Christian, all of that. In around 2016-ish, I started questioning things a lot in 2014 when I got to college. Ever since then, yeah, I've been in my in my rebellious stage, you know, living my best queer and trans life. And I think it does show in my clothes, right? I Never before would I have worn heels. Never before would I have worn makeup, right? Never before would I have worn clothes that were tighter fitting or, um, you know, jewelry that, that wasn't like just one ring on a, on a finger type of thing, right? Like I have completely dressed up who I am, right? I have my hair dyed and, and I'm wearing like different styles and, and I'm wearing colors that I wouldn't have worn before. And yeah, it's fun to, to feel like a doll um, and, 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 <laughs> and dressing myself up in the ways that I want to. It's enjoyable. It's great. And this, this is a, I'm in my rebellious stage, but it's also a stage that does not end for me because this is it. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. The style that we see now, mm-hmm. which I think is someone who is fluent in f- fashion and trends and manages to be on trend but never trendy. That's what I think when I see you, is someone who understands their own body and their own style and goes, okay, I'll have some of you and I'll have some of that. And like, and also has such a good understanding of color, I think, when I, I see the outfits that you put together. So when did that style start showing up? Is it 2020 or is it 2014, 26? Like, on where in the journey? I think that, so the way that I dress now is the way I've always wanted to dress, right? Like, and and there are still there are still things that I want to do that I just simply cannot afford. But <laughs> I like the one reason why I love Cardi B too is because she she made a statement um, years ago where she was like, "I've always known how to dress. I just never could afford it." And that's me. I'm like, you know, when I if I can ever afford the way I really want to dress, you all will know it. But um, <laughs> but right now the way that I'm dressing is is the way that I really 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 want to dress and I've always wanted to dress. But it didn't actually like start showcasing for me until, yeah, around the end of 2019, beginning of 2020. So I'm also disabled. And like I said, I've been chronically homeless for most of my life and and poor for most of my life. And so I didn't get work until 2019 um, into 2020 was the first time I like had my two real jobs in like my adult life. And from there, I was like, whoa, I have a job. I, I have two jobs. So I can, you know, buy things with my own money and, mm. and try to figure out what it is that I want to do with my style. I decided that, you know, I was going to run with it, make it work for me and do what I wanted to do. And I've always been someone who, you know, like I see what's mainstream. I see what's like you said, trendy. And I can pull some of those things from it so that I feel like on trend, like you said, but I also have a very individual style. I know what my body is. I know what I want my body to look like. And I know how I want to dress my body. And I don't want it to look like, you know, like it came straight off of a magazine. I want to feel like mm-hmm. I have put together something of my own that feels like me, that feels authentic, that feels true to who I am. And that allows me to, to you know, fulfill that piece of myself that my inner child has always wanted, which is to feel like I could dress in a very stylish way that I've always felt deprived of so i love that you said that you can like see like this you know on trend but not trendy person when you look at me and also i love that you name 
color. I've always loved color and I've always loved putting together different colors. Color blocking is something that I've always loved. Even when I was like dressing up in suits and whatnot, I remember like my friends and I would always talk about like color blocking with my ties or not wearing like a full suit, but wearing like a blazer and a different like pair of pants so that we were like color blocking in that way. Just like trying to find ways to put colors together in a way that you really wouldn't think of that feels so nice and so good and that and that looks new and fresh and authentic Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm always going for with that um whether it's bright colors or or really neutral colors oh i love it i think you've hinted that you do but do you think of hair and makeup as part of the outfit as well absolutely yes i feel like whenever i put clothes on my outfit is not complete unless i've considered what hair makeup and jewelry will also look like and You know, sometimes it means rings on all five of my fingers on each hand. Sometimes it means, you know, like one ring here, one ring there. Sometimes it means wearing a a big necklace. Sometimes it means just wearing like a little small chain, right? Sometimes it means wearing lip gloss. Sometimes it doesn't. And yes, my hair, like, you know, sometimes I wear a turban or a do-rag or I'll like have it out like this or I'll, you know, take my hair down and or put it up in a ponytail, you know, just depending on on what the, the mood of the outfit is. And so, yes, whenever I get dressed, it literally, for me, is a head-to-toe situation, even down to what underwear I'm wearing. They also have to, like, be a part of the outfit. <laughs> oh, I love it. You are, I mean this in the nicest possible way, you're always ready to get hit by a bus. <laughs> the, yes, The no, underwear is on point. <laughs> if, 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 if I do, like, the underwear are fine. And that's actually one thing my mom always taught us anyway, like, you know, always go out in your in your best underwear because you just never know. <laughs> <laughs> I also saw some pictures of you. I just thought they were beautiful. And I don't necessarily know the like, right term for it, but you had like jewelry in your hair mm-hmm. as well. Yes. It looks so stunning and so beautiful. Thank you. And I audibly gasped looking at pictures oh, of you. It looked you. just like, fantastic. Yeah, they're called, um, it's called lock jewelry. And it's jewelry literally made specifically for people with locks. Um, and I love it. It's whenever I want to feel like maybe a little bit more regal and like the rings and the necklace just don't do enough. I put that in my hair because I, it feels like it goes more along with my outfit. So like if I have like a presentation or I'm doing something like more formal, mm-hmm. I'll put that in my hair because I feel like it just brings the whole thing together. So thank you. That is a beautiful um, use of the word regal because there's like a sense of sort of like states person <laughs> about it. It is like a, it, I don't know, there is just like this extra level of, I don't know if it's author, but it's like amid a mix of authority and grace that oh, this wow. jewelry was bringing that was really, yeah, I loved it. Absolutely thank loved it. you. <laughs> Are there any trends that you've repeatedly tried to pull off, but it's just not happening? I'm going to say no again. I think that <laughs> I'm trying to think and I'm like, are there trends that I've tried that I can't pull off? And I think that, you know, or that, that I haven't been able to pull off. And I think that there aren't, but also that may just mean that there are trends that I know I can't pull off and I just haven't tried. I don't know. Well, that was my that was my next question is do you think it's because you have a strong especially with considering how you grew up and how much you must know your your body mm-hmm. and and how the world sees you and who you want to see yourself that you already know like you don't need to flirt with stuff and try it out because <laughs> you're like not for me babe <laughs> not, not for me no yeah i think so I, but i also think that like i like risks when it comes to fashion i want to take big risks i want to you know do something that that is is out of there, right? Like one of my latest pictures on Instagram is I have on this long like um, plaid shirt and I have on this like 
this coat or this jacket that has like a different print with leather pants and these like Converse boots. And for me, I'm like, I always grew up here, you know, you cannot mix patterns. You can't wear different patterns. And also like, you can't wear these different types of fabrics. And I'm like, I'm going to do that. I don't care. Right. Like I, I think that these rules are so arbitrary and they don't actually make for good fashion. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, within, within my, my budget, I like to take risks with what I wear because I think that it matters. And I think that, you know, like I want to push the bounds of what I think I will look good in. Right. So if I feel like, oh, this won't look good on me, I will try it anyway, because I want to push what I feel will and will not work for me because I actually don't think that anything is necessarily unworkable for me or for anyone. I think that it's about how we work it and also about how you wear it. I think, you know, for me, when I went from having the clothes wear me to me wanting to wear the clothes, everything changed. I was like, oh, I'm wearing these clothes, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is about me, not a, not necessarily about the clothes. I have to wear it with a particular level of confidence. And when I started to do that, for me, I didn't really care. I thought it looked good in everything. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Do you know what I think is so fascinating? The timeline of things, sort of you getting these jobs and having a disposable income that you can then turn to how you look kind of coincides with the pandemic. So what's interesting to me is most of us, or I think lots of us, lost our style over the pandemic and mm-hmm. what we were and our influences and, and had different relationships with our bodies, which changed. And it felt like you hit the ground running yeah. because you'd almost, I guess, made this is quite clumsy, but the situation of like a, a lack of choice and, you know, financial restrictions that often people were encountering the pandemic is how you were living prior. Exactly. And then you, you get this kind of change of uh, you know through your own ability but change of fortunes and then you're like guys I'm living my best me during a pando <laughs> literally <laughs> literally I'm like you know in 2020 I was like I had moved into my very first apartment by myself I this was my first time ever living alone my first time ever like having being housed by myself in, in a way that was stable I just was my first time experiencing like stability mm-hmm. and I moved in in January so of course I didn't know this then but then March came March 2020 when everything hit the fan in the U.S. and I was like I get it y'all like I know that this sucks and it really does suck I hate it but also I'm going to post pictures every day now because now I can, I get to explore like with myself. And also it, it, it helped a lot because I got to get comfortable with what I was wearing within the confines of my home first, before I decided to step outside. Now I wear whatever I want to wear outside because I feel confident in it and feel good in it. But before it gave me the space to be like, okay, I'll try this, post this on the internet, see what people like about it, see how they respond and, and go from there. And that for me just felt so good it gave me so much room to just be able to to be and to explore and to find what feels good for me um and to get feedback in a way that i wouldn't have been able to do if i just you know was living my best life before 2020 so yeah it's it has been a very you know obviously the pandemic sucks and in this regards, like this has been very, very, very good for me to where I will go outside now in my heels and go out in my makeup and wear whatever I want to wear because I can and because I feel good in it. And that to me is the most important part about all of this. And, and honestly, it has been one of the greatest lessons that I've gotten from the pandemic so far. I think it's so interesting what you're saying, because I, I think your experience of, 
I guess, of the pandemic of being able to kind of express yourself in the safety and confines of your home where hopefully everyone feels their best and safest in their home. That's what we all aspire to, right? right. And then have that interaction with the outside world through social media and that then gives you the validation and confidence to go into the real world in inverted commas. I think that's such an interesting point that I never hear being made, especially when people kind of critique the generation below mine for just purely living on the internet but like right. actually if you're you're a creative kid and you're an outsider or you're different or other that actually outside's quite a scary space and you can learn to self-actualize on the internet and then that can take you into the real world although you might not ever need to do that right. i just think that's such an interesting point i'd never thought about yes so i'm on like the lower end or the latter end of the millennial generation so you know for me social media growing up was your AOL chat rooms or MySpace and things like that. So when I, I guess, quote unquote, came out in 2016 as queer to my family, I had already been living in such a way online and with my friends, because at the time I was in college and all of my friends were queer and trans. And so this was just part of who I already was. And so it gave me like a lot of room and safety in a sense, to be able to explore myself and fill out what I wanted and who I wanted to be and who I needed to be for myself before I had to ever really live that out loud in a very particular way. As I experienced that, you know, I realized like a lot of folks get a lot of validation from the internet. And, you know, Gen Z is antagonized a lot for the ways that they use the internet, especially TikTok. But I love it. I think that they have found such a great way of being able to do what so many of us wish we could have done, wish we could have had the space to do. Mm. Um, and also what so many of us did do on MySpace and did do on Facebook. I remember being on Facebook and MySpace and like having like my little internet conversations with people that I would have never talked to in real life because I was too afraid. Mm. It's just, it's cool to see that happening. And now that honestly, it's a lot, of course, it's not foolproof and not completely safe, but it's a lot more safer than it was when we were doing these things behind our parents' backs because we didn't want them to know. And and so we had to like mm. live in a way where there was no no sense of safety amongst community for us. So I love it. And yes, that was a tool for me. It was a way for me to be like, you know, I have these people who are wanting to affirm me, who are wanting to care for me, who are wanting to show up for me in a very particular way. And I want to show up for myself in a very particular way in this moment. And now I have the time to do that. You know, I didn't really have the time. I was writing a book and working two jobs <laughs> but <laughs> in 2020. But I gave myself the space to be able to explore more with that aspect. That was important for me to be able to have the space to be like, yeah, this is fashion is actually important for me and always has been. And I've never felt like I had room to, to be a part of that. And now I do. And so now I'm going to find a way to become comfortable with who I am in that way. And then go out into the world. I remember my first time wearing heels outside and my first time wearing like heeled boots and, and wearing lip gloss and makeup outside. It just was nice and, and freeing and liberating. And of course, scary, you know, you know, the dangers that come along with existing in in these ways in public especially in the west but it's something that i would never choose to give up again What 
what's the oldest item of clothing that you've got that you still love? Hmm, that I still love. Oh my god, I don't know if I'm gonna like be dating myself when I say this or not, but I'm I'm saying like I'm old, I'm not, but I have this American Eagle cardigan in my closet too, actually. I don't even know if people still wear American Eagle. I have no idea. But but I have this American Eagle cardigan in my closet that actually was a hand-me-down from my oldest brother. And I love those sweaters. I refuse to throw them away. I haven't worn them in ages, but I used to have an obsession with cardigans and they were my first cardigans that felt like I wasn't Mr. Rogers, but that I was like actually a cool kid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I would like wear those all the time whenever I want to like put on like a cool outfit. And so I have those in my closet hanging up with the rest of my sweaters and I refuse to get rid of them. <laughs> in fact, I've been trying to find ways, honestly, to repurpose them where I'm like, maybe I don't have to like wear them on completely or... I'm going to find a way to to make them work because I love them. And I think at this point, it gives vintage. (laughs) I can't wait to see the journey of the reincarnation of the cardigan. I'm so excited. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I'm like ready. Is there an era that you would love to have existed in just for the fashion? I understand that politically, (laughs) there are are not many safe eras for you to travel to. But fashion-wise... yes. You know, I think I would have to go with the 70s and the 80s. I think it would be so cool to be walking around in bell bottoms calling people jive turkey. Like, I just <laughs> think that, that would be like, I think that would be just the coolest thing. And I would I would absolutely have an afro um, <laughs> walking around with a pick in my hair. And I don't know. I think, yeah, like, I love the fashion sense of those times. I also will say, of course, you know, barring the, the, the political aspect of this, the 50s, I think, were fashion-wise, were just really cool. Mm. There was just something, like, really cool about the way that folks dressed in the 50s. And if I'm thinking of this in the right time frame, I just think about, you know, like, going to a bar in that time would have just been really cool to be able to put on that style of clothes and bar hop or something. So, yeah, I think, like, those would be the time periods that I would have loved to just, well, not loved, but, <laughs> but, but would have, but those, like, those fashion styles at the times were I think really really cool um definitely not the 60s (laughs) (laughs) definitely not the 60s there was just a lot of suit wearing that I've already gone through I don't want to do that again (laughs) but (laughs) so yeah I think the the 50s and the in the 70s and 80s and of course I was born in the 90s so a lot of that fashion for me is already feels home love it have you got an item of clothing that you put on and you just instantly feel amazing in it. Okay, yes. I have this weird obsession. I'm saying weird because I live in the South. It does not get cold enough for most of these coats that I own. <laughs> but I have this obsession with these coats. And there's one coat that I have that's wool. And I am obsessed. And recently I bought this like puffer jacket that, again, you would only wear in like New York. But I bought it because <laughs> it was so cute. And... I'm just obsessed with jackets. I'm obsessed with layers. So like whenever I put those those coats on or those jackets on, it feels very nice. I love it. It's comforting. I think that I would definitely say that. I also have a huge obsession with tapered pants now. Like now I buy my pants one length shorter than they are supposed to be. Okay. Because I'm just obsessed with like this style right now where, you know, like your pants sit on the top of your shoe or like they like sit just above your shoe instead of sort of laying on them yeah. and they're tapered and they're like pressed a particular way for me the ones that I really love are not the ones that button but they have like the drawstrings in the front mm-hmm. 
um, I'm I'm obsessed with those. And so I have like two or three pairs of those in my closet. And when I put them on, I feel like you can't tell me anything. So, <laughs> so yes, I think those are my two answers for sure. Also, anything with the drawstring, I respect because it's giving me a level of comfort that says it cares about me. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's like the, the rest of this is cute and I don't have to worry about unbuttoning my pants after I eat or something. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the driving notch, as my friend calls it, on his belt that, you know, when you sit down to drive, you have to undo your you belt so it's more comfortable it's so yeah. it's so uncomfortable you're like i i would sit down and like would have just like it may as well be a stamp <laughs> of my button in my stomach <laughs> and i'm like this is not <laughs> how life should be so <laughs> i wanted to ask you about your relationship with shopping mm. are you someone that enjoys it like is it online for you are you in person you want to touch stuff you mentioned you sort of touched on sustainability and things earlier i wonder how much of a part that plays in your shopping i absolutely understand that when it comes to shopping in like plus size or, or curve ranges that then sustainability and affordability never ever intersect so this match. isn't a, no <laughs> this is not me being like let me check your credentials it's just a chat about shopping so i would i would actually really love to be able to shop in person but i have yet to find a store that makes clothes or that sells clothes that are my size that are also fashionable you know like you have some of those like big and tall or extra large stores that are I don't know if they're anywhere outside of the South, but they have stores that are specific to that. But the clothes are some of the ugliest clothes I've ever seen. And I'm like, I'm not wearing this. Like, this is the most unflattering piece of clothing I've ever seen. So I don't go in stores anymore because I get so self-conscious and insecure about my body because there's just no clothes for me. All of my shopping happens online now. Of course, I used to do a lot of thrift shopping, but that has, of course, completely stopped since the pandemic. I don't want to touch anyone's clothes <laughs> at all. I would love to one day just be able to just go into several different stores. But I, after going into H&M enough times and, you know, all these stores that just sell clothes for the surfer, I don't go into stores anymore. Yeah. What's the best thing you've ever thrifted, got secondhand or vintage? I think one of the best things I've ever gotten thrifting is a sweater. <laughs> I am obsessed with sweaters. Again, I don't know why this is the case. I live in the South. It's rarely ever cold enough for me to like be so <laughs> obsessed with all these sweaters and coats and stuff. But I am. I can't deny it. And I don't remember like the exact sweater anymore because I don't have it. But I just remember like going home, washing it, all the things and like putting it on it being one of the softest sweaters I've ever worn. And it just felt so good and looked really good. And I was obsessed with it for a very long time, but I'm pretty sure that was in like high school. That was one of the, I think the best things I've ever gotten thrifting. And also I, I want to say maybe I found a really great pair of dress pants there once, right? Like, you know, you can go thrifting and find Burberry and Versace and all these brand name clothes for $2 because people are giving it away. It's so great when that happens, when you're the person who's living on the thrift or we would say like charity shop budget and then you manage to snag something designer and then you're suddenly playing in the same <laughs> leagues as those kids in school who make you believe that a label's everything. Exactly. Like... <laughs> For me, like from seventh grade to 12th grade, I was in school with a lot of white middle class students. In high school in particular, from ninth to 12th grade, I was like so removed from from so much because all of my I was a marching band I was a band geek so you know as I'm sure you probably can imagine majority of the band were white and they were all from like these middle class homes and so I was like I don't know how I'm going to keep up like I'm I am poor you know my best friend and I she grew up in like these trailer parks and I grew up having to move every 
two business days and being dramatic because we couldn't afford to, to live where we lived and we were evicted and things like that. So, but she dressed so beautifully. I was always admiring how beautifully she dressed despite where she was growing up. And for me, I was like, I'm, I have to like try to keep up with the rest of the band because they're all middle class and their their families are, are doctors and professors, which to me was a profession of great dignity and, and whatnot for them. They were like, professors don't make anything. And I was like, okay my mom's a bus driver so i don't know so i would like have to keep up with them and so whenever i would find those snags at thrift stores i was like this is it i get to i get to be in the big leagues for a moment (laughs) so yes for sure with your style now because i think you have such a clear sense of style and it's so beautiful to hear you talk about that blossoming especially over the past couple of years Mm -hmm. do you think you're only going to get more experimental or have you found like no this is it I've I've nailed my style and now it's just playing with the trends and the colors and the innovations that come in or are you like no I'm gonna have a phase where I do this and I do that like Mm. what's the future like no I'm excited about exploring more I want to become more experimental for sure I don't know what that looks like quite yet but the more I'm able to find spaces that make clothes that are catered to fat folks, the more I'm going to want to explore it. The only thing stopping me from doing that is the limited space for fat folks and my money. (laughs) So if I can find more spaces for fat folks that are sustainable and also that don't require me to be rich because I don't want to be rich, I'm going to experiment and I'm going to explore it. For me, that's what fashion is about. It's about exploring and being experimental always and always taking those risks and never settling with where you are in your fashion sense and finding more ways to to sort of showcase who you are as time changes. For me, I think people are always growing and I am always growing and I want my style to always grow with me. That's gorgeous. I've never, just as you're talking that, and it was like the thought I was having you perfectly crystallized because I was like, yeah, it's weird that I've always been like, no, I think I found my style, but I'm like, God, if I thought I... No, I think I know everything about the world. I would hate anyone who thought that. I, <laughs> I pride myself on evolving. But yeah. like, it's so weird that I haven't looked at that with my style. Of course, my style should keep evolving. <gasps> I've had a revelation. I love it. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Is there an item of clothing you can always see yourself wearing? And whether that's a specific item like, oh, this jacket or this, or is it like, I you're, you're always going to find me in a sweater? <laughs> You will always find me in a sweater. Um, <laughs> you will always find me in like either a sweater or like a cardigan or a light jacket. I will like you will always, no matter where my, my style takes me, I will be in that for sure. I also think that actually I don't think I'm necessarily married to anything else besides that. No, that's not true. You will also always find me in a boot. I love boots a lot and the style of boot may change and like the type of boot may change but you will always find several pairs of boots in my closet, always. The boots that I saw, I think you have them in brown and black, but they've got like a heel mm-hmm. and they've got that perfect shaped toe that's like a point but round at the same time. So when points come in fashion and when rounds come in fashion, they're always going to see through <laughs> that. They are so beautiful. Thank you. The brown pair especially, that colour brown is like oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> Thank you so much. I Yeah, <laughs> I have three pair of those. One is leather, that pair is black. The brown pair, I think that you're referring to, is suede. And then the third pair is like, to me, I feel like it's a cowboy boot because it has like a steel plate at the front. Those are dark brown. They're my favorite pairs of boots, all three of those. I love them. So yes, you will always find a pair of boots in my closet. Well, one of the things I want to say, I I hope I'm not too clumsy when I try and express this. So 
the boots that you're wearing to me, they have that like cowboy edge to them. But there's this really interesting thing when I look at cowboy boots and I think of kind of people in the South who would wear cowboy boots for work, etc. I think of them a very traditionally small and big C conservative. Oh, I guess you don't have big C conservative, but like um, uh, Republican-y, I guess. Mm -hmm. I'm being very broad strokes here. They're incredibly glamorous. They have a heel. There's often loads of colours. There's often stones on them. There's, you know, like amazing leathers. And I think it is so great to see like some someone like you in them because you just see how fucking glamorous <laughs> that they are. Thank you. And it's such a great subversion of this traditional shoe. And then you pair it in such a fashion way with stuff. You just go, oh, of course, that's the like that's how great they can look and you're like it feels like you're owning something that could in some ways maybe i'm I'm jumping too far here but be a uh, symbolic of a group of people who could be hostile to someone like you yeah no i think that you're absolutely right i think that it's like this style of boot is very much associated with this um, american idea and this american idea really is typically the the white thin cowboy male typically and and their wives Mm -hmm. but one black cowboys and black like farm farmers and black families on farms and whatnot have existed for a long time in the south since we have arrived here since we were brought here you know that's our style and i think that it's been repurposed and repackaged in many ways and it's unfortunate because yeah i i think that we look damn good in, in in what we wear so yes i i love that and i and i that's part of the reason why i'm sort of like you know i wear them i'm like you know i think that these boots are cute i don't really care what they're supposed to or who they're typically associated with i think they're really cute and i think i look cute in them and so i'm going to wear them so yeah i i love that and that's always a goal for me i i for me it's like if i like it i'm going to wear it i don't really care what it's associated with so long as it's not associated with something that is bad or that is anti me right like i'm not gonna walk around and wear like a jeff bezos t-shirt but (laughs) (laughs) but like but if i want to wear something that is typically associated with people who are not you know for me or are typically hostile towards people like me but i think it's cute i'm gonna wear it um because i can i've got two more questions for you um so the penultimate one is are there any trends that you're hoping never come back i hope we never have to see gauchos ever again you know, those like, those like Capri, oh, Capris too. But the gauchos are like the, like the Capris that are like really flowy. Um, I don't, the Disney Channel stars used to wear them a lot. I never want to see that again. <laughs> Honestly, and the, the, the trend, the 2000s trend where people wore like skirts over their jeans and then big belts. And what, I never want to see that again. Like, I just, none of that. Like <laughs> this 2000s fashion that was happening. None of that. <laughs> um, I don't want to see the tall tees and big pants. Mm-mm. There's a whole Instagram account that's about sort of British naughties culture and that fashion called Hunsnet. And it looks at all the girl bands at the time and they're all like low rise jeans with Ugh. a skirt over it and those big sort of pleather belt things. And it, oh, oh my God, it just <laughs> hide- hideous, hideous time for fashion. <laughs> And it's like, I mean, it, they were great outfits for the time, but you look back at it and it's like, what was ever happening with this? I don't know. <laughs> Do you know what it is? Is a thing for me, and this is this is almost definitely entrenched in snobbery, what I'm about to say, is that even though I know that they weren't, everyone looked cheap. 
Like everyone looked inexpensive. Everyone looked flammable. Mm -hmm. Everyone looked like everything was about to fall apart. Like everything looked like fast fashion. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't. These are pop stars. Yes. But it was just the look was like, oh, cheap. Yes. No, seriously. That that was the thing. I never want to see it again. (laughs) (laughs) Final question. It could be perceived as a sad one, but I want it to be a celebratory one. So um you've reached the end of your um glorious life as a visible queer icon Uh that has inspired lots of young people to to be their authentic selves um it's time to bury you or cremate you what are you going to wear in the coffin Mm. well so i actually want to be turned into a tree but for the viewing before all that happens i don't know what i would wear but I got to think about it because because I have to look cute and I do not want to, I don't want to be in the traditional suit that people usually do when they are like burying their loved ones. I want to be in something that is like flashy, like send me off in style, put a boot on me. I know a lot of funeral homes don't put like shoes or things on the lower half of people because they typically don't open the full casket for some folks. I want to be fully dressed, put boots on me, some nice boots, <laughs> put uh, like a nice pair of like, pants maybe they're like flare pants i don't know but like a nice pair of pants and put me in something that really represents who i am and how i show up that's what i want i want that and i want to look like i'm about to post pictures on instagram (laughs) (laughs) ready for the gram in the casket exactly show me all that's what i want oh does sean ready for the gram in the casket what a thought also matching underwear to your outfit i mean that is a level of finish and polish that i can only aspire to <laughs> do you know what i find particularly fascinating about this episode there was so much so much about this episode but i suppose i had never considered how people's online presentation can inform their journey towards living more authentically what a beautiful thing because i think i as a snap judgment just think about social media and the internet as well, I'll say it, a poison <laughs> and something to be sort of like a necessary evil that's in my life because of my work. But of course, there's whole groups of people who've been able to find their tribe and themselves online because of how they use social media. And that's a really beautiful thing, isn't it? Now then, last week we got a DM um, from EJ who was looking for maternity wear that is ethical well <laughs> a word that I've, I've had a grub round I asked on my Instagram and I would say that ethical is available affordable not so much um but here are some recommendations for you so turtle dove is apparently absolutely brilliant and um frugy as well but someone messaged to say that Fruji is not very affordable, but that there's lots of secondhand resale sites dedicated to not just baby's clothes, but also maternity wear. So there's some specialists as well. Seek them out. There's also a French brand called, okay, I'm going to say this wrong. I want to say Tajine Banane, but it's T-A-J-I-N-E-B-A-N-A-N-E. Their stuff is really cool, ethical, sustainable. It's 
on the dear side defo, but apparently they've got slamming sales. If you've got the time, um, keep an eye, I would say. And there's stuff specifically for breastfeeding in as well, which is great. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much to the people who got in contact with the um, recommendations. It's great to have a little network out there of people who love clothes. (laughs) I can just be like, where can I get this from? I should be using that resource more often. And if you've got any messages, love to hear them. Um, You can follow us on Instagram at who you're wearing pod uh also they've got some great pictures of deshaun that are going to go up this week and also you can um, pop us an email you can write to us on who you wearing pod at gmail.com now every week i talk about a small business um that i think is great that relates to the guest i had on and i've got this i've nailed this this is such a perfect fit this week it's a business i've wanted to talk about for ages as well so it, it's amazing brilliant black owned business um that i've bought stuff from And they make affordable, of course, that term is relative. I'm very aware of that. Affordable plus size clothes and what clothes they make. Please meet, if you don't already know, Dear Curves. And can I just say off the bat something I appreciate? The sales they have are unbelievable. And I've got a stunning emerald green. I'm looking at it now. It's right behind me in my little cupboard. Um, green circle skirt from them. I wore it on an episode of Guessable. got so many messages about it. It's 40 quid at the moment, which is mad considering how well made it is. Their stuff is beautiful. It's really sort of premium. It's, you know, like it's incredibly well made. It's a great fabric. There's masses of it as well. Um, oh God, it's so beautiful. If I wasn't sworn off buying new clothes at the moment, they've got a pink one and a blue one and I would absolutely buy them. The owner and founder is Ajomu Adegwa, um, and she's an X plus size model herself and has always kept an eye on providing plus size clothes that are good quality, that last, because that is a really good way of making things sustainable with a reasonable price tag. Um, Now, this is a small business who have worked so hard to hustle and pivot and survive through the pandemic. I'm just endlessly impressed with the German's work ethic and creativity. And it's no wonder that her pieces have made it onto the red carpet as well. So please go and check out Dear Curves. Oh my God, there's, oh, there's a, like a tall leopard print skirt that is also absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, go to their website and their Insta if you want a beautifully made high impact statement piece. And they go up to size 30. Oh, oh also, I've just seen that. I've been on the website like a little creep because I'm not buying new clothes at the moment. And... Um, there's a there's a gorgeous green velvet maxi dress that's new in. Um, it's a work of art. Please, someone buy it and send me a picture of you in it because I'm not allowed to at the moment. But if I could, I would absolutely buy that. <laughs> um, thank you so much for listening um, to this episode. I hope you enjoy it. The feedback's been gorgeous. If you do enjoy the podcast, can you sling us a nice um, review? wherever you listen to it because it does make a big difference with more people finding it and that's what I want I just want the people I've had on are so honest and open and important that's what's amazed me about this podcast is every conversation is really poignant and they've been so gracious to be so open I just want as many people to listen 
I guess, and find it and maybe find solace and inspiration from it. Um, so yeah, give it a nice review, please. Um, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we've got a cracking episode next week and a good pile of mine as well. Um, it is the wonderful Susie Ruffle. What a woman, what a style icon, um, who I uh, genuinely told that I'd banned from the podcast in, in the most serious way. And it's the only good bit of acting I've done. And she believed me um, because she put up a picture of herself wearing Crocs. <laughs> uh, so see you next week. Bye. Who Are You Wearing is produced by Joe Southard, the artwork is by Mary Phillips, and the music is by Annie Glass. This has been a Little Wonder production. Hold up. 